Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Also, uh, D'Amato, um, I just realized that when we were talking about the fight scene with uh, Jonnet and the one guard that lifted him up, I definitely used the wrong term for solar plexus. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. You uh, said I solar cortex. I, I thought solar plexus, and I was like, Tyler knows more about that. Yeah, no, I no, literally no, made the Please. same assumption as like, I thought it was solar plexus. No, Tyler is a smart boy. No, and I'm a dumb dumb. It, so. Any, I get terms and definitions and phrases and faces mixed up all of the time. Please always call me out on that if it doesn't sync up. I don't know how to fix that in the A recording. solar cortex would be cool as fuck, though. <laughs> yeah, solar cortex sounds like something that like uh, you would have on a, uh, a spaceship when you were trying to create fake suns. It's like, yeah. well, the solar cortex is imploding. We're going to... What are we to do? Well, I don't know how, how your thing. audience is going to check you on that. Oh, no, I, here's, I, I, here's what Our I know doctors. exactly happened. That happened at least one episode ago uh-huh. at this point, Tyler. So you, future Tyler, have already received thousands of tweets mm-hmm. oh, correcting yeah. you. So oh, yeah, I know. And the first time you're like, yeah, I know, I got it wrong. And by the thousandth time, <laughs> you wish you were a dead man. You <laughs> drive past a graveyard, you see the stones of the dead, and you go, if only that were me. <laughs> Just put it in the, the the top bumper to the to the, the intro to the episode. Is like, okay, before we even get into this, you're going to hear <laughs> Solar Cortex. He knows it's Solar Plexus. Get off his dick preemptively. <laughs> Preemptive dick getting offing. Okay. Oh. I'm going to tweet right now. Tyler Davis does not know what a solar plexus no, here's is. Here's the thing I do. <laughs> All right? So it's just the delay. falls and way 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 down there's a splash and then something from the sea takes him uh, thanks thank you this jacket will be just my size come morning but I'm, I'm I could use the camo now Oh, but it'll look so silly. But I could use the camo now. Oh, look at that. Look at says it'll be so silly. Says uh, <laughs> Travis as he's like putting this on. If a coyote were to wear a jacket, would he wear it like this or like this? <laughs> <laughs> 
like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, like, but this, this is the perfect crime. I think this goes even farther. Oh, you look, another jacket. Are now <laughs> looking about this level, and this level is most certainly the cargo level. Um, you move about a little bit more free, and this time, like, you know, you're making sure that Scuffle didn't sound any alarm of any kind, uh, and that there is, in fact, no one else here. You see sort of behind like piles of boxes of like supplies that would be for food and whatnot, you can see what real treasure is being held here. There appear to be two large packages here that, that are held in a cage that has a large lock on it. What one of these packages you can tell is featherweave, just Ooh. a large supply of featherweave. The other is a chest, a small chest that I think would fill Jonnet's arms if he were to hold it. The outside is decorated with jewels that are shaped to look like many eyes. Mm-hmm. The lock itself has an insignia of the slain god upon it. Is that it? Or is like that's the most notable thing? Those are the most notable things. There, there's a lot here. It's just, you know, Featherweave is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. And that boxes covered in jewels so not hard to figure out that whatever in there might be a big deal but there's other stuff here if you took some time to examine it you might be able to tell what other things are going on okay the feather weave is that locked up there is a cage in this cargo hold and these are both behind lock and key in that cage There, there are other things in the cargo hold as well that most certainly would be valuable like there are barrels that must contain alcoholic substances there's like mundane coin too but those are the things that are locked up okay i'm just gonna like leave that and then maybe just like inspect the lock you're a skullduggery yeah. kind of dude right could you pick that sure when he's got human hands absolutely That's right but he can definitely i can tell i can eyeball it yeah, it. yeah. Maybe next time you should bring a backpack. I brought the satchel. You could have put... I didn't want to, like, run around with it. But also, that's a better idea, and I didn't think about it at the time. (laughs) Lift me up. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't need to be lifted to look at this log, but I do like that he asked for that. (laughs) You just love, like, belly rubs open. How hard is this to just, like, sort of be able to... Easy, easy. You, you, You case locks all the time. Yes. So you are going to have one uh, advantage on this when you do eventually try to open this lock. Okay. This is an incredibly complicated and difficult lock. You look at that and think, that's a hammer job. That's something that I would just beat with a hammer until it opened for me. Gotcha. Because picking it is going to be a real pain in the ass. It's complicated and tough. It might even be something that you'd want someone who has magic to aid you with it in some way. And that's both the lock on the door, which is the more pressing lock, and the lock on the chest, which, you know, you'll figure out how to open the chest later. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is going to be a rough job. Piece of cake. (laughs) (laughs) You sure? It looks pretty intricate. Well, maybe to you, once I have my hands back, it'll take mere minutes. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, He looks around, and I guess we're looking for the hatch to, like, the outside. I just want to make sure that that's like not locked or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you've noticed that there is a row of cannons that have sort of like a temporary rigging to hold them up that have been uh, placed in front of this door. So it looks to you as though like there are the normal cannon slots here, but it's sort of been retrofitted to be able to carry extra guns and aim them out that door. So this ship looks like it is spoiling for a fight. Yeah. 
those extra guns are in front of the opening. Yeah. I guess we should, we should, we need to clear these out because, well, it wasn't part of our, you know, duties. Oh, come on. Fine, we'll do what we can. What if we like tie a rope to this cage, tie a rope to a cannon that's like in front of the doorway. So that way, all you'd have to do is push the cannon out. It would like... No, that's no, too. and then we would all fall out. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I'm not going to do that. No, um, no, tie all the cannons together. What? Tie all the cannons together, and then throw one cannon out the window, and then they all fall they out. All fall. That would work. The problem is that it might be noisy, yeah, super noisy. No. So it no. it could be something that, like, if you manage spiking the cannons on level two, is going to be uh, tough because level two is where all the crew is sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably going to need to be quieter than what you did on these fours. You know, if if after you spike level two, you come back here and hurl the cannons out, that would be a really great play. I say we uh, let's just spike the whole all the cannons. Okay. On this level. So so Done. no no rigging or anything. I don't think I need a roll from you to spike these because you've already done that. Let's cut over to the ship. It is just about to be daybreak. Oh, it's about to be dawn. Yeah. Okay. Go time. So you are getting your last preparations. You are maneuvering the ship so that it is going to be significantly above, and you're going to be increasing speed so that you can do the zipline drops down onto this other vessel. They're also ready, I think, as like kind of a last minute resort to swoop in and try and tear uh, the feather weave uh, using the front of the ship. How is Gable going to be entering the battle? Will you be going down a zip line or will you be taking a bird? First, I have a question. So th- yes. the plan is to like, no matter what, at daybreak, the battle starts, no matter what, even if we get a... It seems to be at this point, uh, the only way that Dref is going to be able to A, get on the ship, unless you're giving Dref a bird to swoop in and get on the ship now, and B, for you to, you know, make away with this cargo. Because even if you manage to get Dref onto the ship completely subtly and silently Mm -hmm. now, as soon as that cargo door opens and the cargo gets floated out, they're going to know something's up and they're going to be after whoever did it. Yeah. So I think Gable's plan is to already be on deck. As soon as the sun rises, as soon as people start waking up and get on deck to start going about their daily business, Gable is already there. So yeah, I'm going to say you've got an about an hour, 40 minutes before people are actually going to start waking up and getting on deck. It's just like this would be the time. If you needed to leave in order to make something like that happen, it would be around now. Yeah. So... And I think the plan will be for Nodos and the rest of the crew to like zip line down, Great. Um, because there's an element of theatricality that we're we're going for. Here. I do love it. It is theater of the mind. Yes. So at this point, Gable is fitting up Metatron at the moment and kind of like going through things themselves. There's a little bit of not hesitation, but kind of like. This kind of battle hasn't happened in quite some time, and they're kind of scared of how excited they are. Yeah, um, you, you can feel it. Your limbs are ready. Mm-hmm. This used to be your job. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, you would do something like this completely alone. Mm-hmm. 
But the other thing that Gable is struggling with is like the idea of putting other people in danger because they know that feasibly they could do this all by themselves, but it's part of allowing other people to help them do these kind of jobs, which will help their chances, but also let them settle their own scores. Like Wendell's got his brother that he needs to kill. So that kind of thing. So Gable is just kind of like petting Metatron because Metatron's obviously the favorite and just thinking. And I think then they launch. How is Dref going to be getting onto the ship? Was it going to be on a bird or a zipline? My thought would be bird because Dref does not want to be part of the boarding party. Dref does not want to be part of the battle. So my thought would be bird. So Flea is still available and Lucas is available. Lucas is less subtle than Flea. More ostentatious. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dreff will probably take Flea as well, if Flea's, mm-hmm. if, since Flea's back. Uh, Dreff sees Gable, like meets Gable at the birds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These things have always made me rather uh, nervous. Animals? These birds. These birds in particular? Most things make <laughs> me nervous. That's uh, I'm a nervous person. Are you nervous at <laughs> no, all? No, not at all. Not in the slightest. I haven't felt emotions for, I don't know what that is. Nervous. The feeling that things are about to happen beyond our control and things may go poorly. The feeling that we are going to be responsible for. Hey, Johnny, you want to make some more noise in your chair? (laughs) The feeling that we are going to be responsible for men perhaps losing their lives today for us, perhaps losing our lives today. You don't feel any sort of mm, apprehension? No, not really. You have it's ice water running through your veins. I've never looked. <laughs> I envy you. I, 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 I don't always say things cor- corrected, meant it as a compliment. I, I, I think that you are admirable. I, I think the crew looks up to you. They think that you are brave. Drev, I think you don't give yourself enough credit. Oh, no, I'm very competent. I'm... A, excellent doctor i'm mechanically matched by no one on the ship i i I am excellent at what 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 it is that i do but i know my limitations i am a pragmatist at at heart i think that once you get used to the idea that death is an inevitability you'll stop being nervous you mistake me i i don't fear death i have a great then why respect. do you create zombies why do you hold off death as much as you can in your doctrine you're afraid of it i That's don't why you hold off death I, I celebrate it death is a natural part of life but it is not the end by any means is there the is end. a shine in his eyes these men look at them they are men. They are not children. They know what they are doing. They are all going to an end that they do not understand. I seek to know what lies beyond, to understand what it is that we cannot know. That knowledge is what pushes me forward. I don't fear death. I, 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 I love death. If death came for you, what would you do? It is tricky because if I die, that is the end to my ability to explore death. But if others die, that exploration continues. So 
I will try to live. And I think with that, a silence falls between them. Gable, you've come to understand something uh, that maybe bothered you about Dref before, and who knows how you feel about that right now, but something something has just cleared itself up. Mm-hmm. I think I just start instructing him on the bird and how to command it. And the two birds launch together. We're going to cut over to... Uh, um, the captain mm-hmm. is riding the bird as well. Oh, oh no! yes. Oh, so sure. the captain's riding the bird. I'm behind the captain, like, kind of, like, hugging his waist and clutching the saddle. His The captain's head is definitely just, like, fully, <laughs> like, back. Yes. He, he can't, like, you know, support it. I love it. It looks like it's like maniacal laughter. Yeah, like his exactly. his jaws open and his head's back, and it looks like he's just having the time of his life riding this bird in a battle. I, I think the crew is is watching uh, these birds fly away from the ship through the telescopes, and seeing the captain like this has heartened them. You know, he has been he's enjoying it. Very silent for the past few months, as as you have not taken on lucrative jobs or anything. But this is a glimpse of who the captain used to be. And I, I, I think Smiling. that provides some comfort to them as they face this uh, next wild challenge. Our crew is dumb. Yeah, oh. but, I mean they're like they're pirates. <laughs> no one, no one really expects someone to resurrect a corpse and have that corpse masquerade as a person. That's not you your know? first thought. It's not. It's not like I mean most of us here are probably corpses <laughs> in our own way. Yeah, it's rarely someone's fifth thought that that's what's going on. He's just a sick man. Mm-hmm. So I want to. Yeah, I, I want to cut. To the feeling, the the second, the second level, like just peeking up uh, on our way to the second level. You have spike. You've decided to spike every cannon on the third level. You've drastically cut down on the martial power of this ship, and the bulk of them are going to be twenty of them are going to be on this next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this is a, the one with the crew on it. This is the majority of the crew is sleeping here. And like as you poke up, you can see there are hammocks for anywhere between eighty and a hundred men. <laughs> oh, wow. this is a large crew. Oh, no. Okay. Well, go ahead. <laughs> Dread lightly. Don't you get nervous at anything? Oh, of course I do. When I'm doing something. You're here with me. We're doing this mission, he says very quietly. (laughs) What if we go from crew member to crew member and put some cotton in their ears as they sleep so that they can't hear us? Have you done that before? No, but it could work. I'm going to make an executive order. No, I'm not going to do that one. I'm not going to do that idea right there. But I think you're on to something. There might be a way to maybe slow down their reaction time once the battle actually starts. But I kind of don't know if this level is worthwhile in terms of wanting to clear out because of the inherent added risk of waking up one of these 80 guards. Tyler, you could also use magic. (gasps) Yeah, you do have magic. Magic. That's right. And I've already, because we did it with the shot glass where I moved something from one location to another. Ooh, actually, that, yeah. You 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 can do 
anything. You can move right. sound this around. Magic you can... stuff is trippy. Um, what if you move some water from the sea into many small basins and we put their hands in the basins and then they'll all wake up and have to use the bathroom at the same time and while they're works. gone. They'll just be themselves. <laughs> they'll all... uh, uh, I have to use the bathroom. The that. worst prank in the world. <laughs> it just wakes you up and makes you go pee. <laughs> it's like, why so annoying. The light's so long. Oh, you know what? Um, Actually, before you guys can continue, since we were talking about bathrooms, can we yeah, take, yeah, a yeah. take a break? Do you want to be a piss baby? Yeah, I want to be a piss baby. I'm I see gonna be you. a piss daddy. I Well, hello there, heroes. This is Mel D'Amato, and I'm taking over the mid-roll this week because James is a big old nerd and didn't bring his microphones with him on his visit to his parents. I want to thank everyone for supporting the 2018 One-Shot Drive. It's been amazing to watch all the support for the network roll in. Currently, you are just $50 a month away from unlocking Bin Bon and Jubna 2 Part 4. James is really excited to share that one. There are lots of other great milestones ahead, like taking Campaign Weekly again at $8,500 a month. The one that I really want, though, is the $10,000 a month, because then James gets paid real money, and we can start a family. Thanks to everyone who joined up and everyone who's planning on it soon. We appreciate you. Now here's James with a advertisement that apparently he recorded inside of an oil drum. This advertisement goes out to Zek. Zovran, Rabbi, Tiberius, our dearly departed clanker, and Paul. Happy Life Day! Whether we're replacing a wrecked ship at the pump pit, grabbing a bite at stew and ruse, or getting down and dirty on a verpine party bus, stumbling, shooting, and seducing our way through the galaxy is always the highlight of my week. And I wouldn't trade this crew for all the credits on Coruscant. P.S. You're right, okay? It's dust. Thanks so much to Savannah for buying this advertisement. I hope you and yours roll triumphs from here to eternity. Before we get back to the episode, I want to take a moment to thank some of the heroes who back us on Patreon. Terrence Donahoe, thank you so much. Michael Schmitz, thank you. Nola Paufu, thank you so much, Nola. Searane Searle, thank you so much, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. Catherine Dooley, thank you. Dalen Yellowhair, thank you so much. Eric Meyerhoff, thank you. Brandy Burrows! Dr. B was the faculty advisor for the nerd club that first taught me role-playing games. Dr. B, thank you so much for supporting the show. Your support means the world to me. Mark Miller, thank you so much. Nathan Agee, thank you. John Linden, thank you very much. Krista Pekarik, thank you so much, Krista. Landon Smith, thank you very much. Jacob Dahlman, thank you. Evan Nyquist, Thank you so much. Jeff Barber. Thank you. Ankusom. Thank you. Captain Chaos. Thank you. Jody Clark. Thank you very much. Sophia Boyd. Thank you. Alexander J. Jack Hugh. Thank you. Martin Bugis. Thank you very much. And Eli Seats. Thank you. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. With all that out of the way, let's get back to the show.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, are you ready to kill some people? Yeah, let's let's do a couple murders. Just a handful. So you guys are on the second level of this ship, like looking out over these rows and rows of hammocks that are hung up. There are a few lanterns that are flickering lightly, which serves only to like illuminate the room and show you how many people are here. Now, you were just contemplating using magic in this situation uh, to maybe tip the odds in your favor. Did you have any ideas for what you were going to do? Okay, so what I am thinking, I got two ideas. One, I could arcana magic this, the nails into, try and, uh, arcana nails. I have two ideas. Uh, (laughs) One is I could try to arcana magic these nails directly into, I guess, the pinholes for the cannons Mm -hmm. and just try and like knock that out right there or maybe i could create since i can like sort of manipulate sound i might be able to like deaden the sound of our presence in general and like a section of the room as we go down and like get the the pens in by hand i don't know how hard i feel like trying to arcana transport the nails into the pinholes would be harder than trying to just dampen the sound around us, but that's I feel so, like that's a question for the genius. I think, yeah, these these are both really good plans. I will explain to you what will make them challenging. Okay. To arcana the nails into the cannons, it would essentially do that job very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is you're trying to get material in an extremely specific place. So you will need to calculate very carefully where that's going to be um, or spend a lot of energy filling a large area with nails. So it's going to be a very careful calculation that will be a very difficult spell to cast. Um, I would call it daunting. Now, there are things that you can do to mitigate the difficulty of a spell or make your spell more powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can make a sacrifice taking some of your blood and essentially inflicting damage on yourself uh, to upgrade the role. You can also make it a ritual. This would be taking it from something that would be cast instantaneously and making it something that would be cast over the course of like 10 minutes or so. The longer you make the ritual, the more power you will add to it. And the more elaborate the ritual is, uh, the more power will get added to it. Finally, you can entreat a luminary. You can pull one of these to upgrade it and also flip a luminary card that could go either way for you. 
Okay. And that would be what you would need to enhance the spell. Now, if we are considering dampening sound in like a particular area around yourself, that will most certainly prevent people from hearing you spike the cannons and really minimize the likelihood of them waking up and catching you. The drawback is if you dampen the sound around yourself, you will not be able to hear if somebody wakes up either. Mm. Okay. Uh, here's a question. Are the hammocks... And like sleeping arrangements, are they in the pretty much like right next to the cannons or is it like chamber four sleeping and then the cannons are? The hammocks are unfortunately scattered everywhere they could possibly be on the ship. Okay. Or what if, because you said I can kind of do anything with Mm -hmm. this. Anything. (laughs) There are almost no limits on magic, just just how uh, good it's categorized and sorted out because there is also primal magic Mm -hmm. uh, which is more to do with nature and there is divine magic which which has its own areas as well what if i choose to put the people around us in a uh, exponentially deeper sleep that would be difficult Uh, anything that you do to a person whether they are conscious or not there is a resistance around it like doing magic to an object an object has no will Um, And an animal has significantly less will. But once you uh, take it to a sapient being, that's when resistance starts to climb and essentially each of them might be able to resist it. And being a spell that you've never really cast or attempted before, you have no idea if casting that spell could wake them up. Okay. And and the more people you try to affect, the harder the magic is. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I feel like... That's something for Jonnet to be exploring and practicing in future adventures. <laughs> so I think we, we get up, we see all these people, we see the cannons kind of take everything in, and Jonnet sort of like pulls Travis back down on the staircase. Like, okay, I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm thinking if I can use my magic to make myself as silent as possible. So we might be able, I might be able to do this maybe at a faster rate than I could before with just hammering in everything. But if I make myself completely silent, I'm not going to be able to hear anything. If you follow behind me, keep a lookout. If uh, someone starts to stir or or gets riled up, maybe give me a tug or like hit me with your coyote tail or something like that. A sign. You can just say tail. But it's a you are a coyote, oh, and sometimes sure. you're a rabbit, and sometimes your other things and you have different tales and i just want to be respectful of the tales that you have in the moment okay well you use your person hand to hammer in the nails okay and- i see where you're coming from that <laughs> seems excessive um okay well then i don't know how- but yes i'll keep a lookout okay daybreak is coming so i feel like the the onslaught's gonna happen soon we've got to move quickly yes and also it will be very loud when i turn back during the day the bone noises and whatnot oh, i truly forgot about that <laughs> which how could you it huh. is horrific <laughs> how much time how much time do we have until like sunrise i said i think about an hour okay okay and dawn is usually when ship mm. crews wake up anyway how much time do you feel like you have until this starts to happen oh probably about an hour okay okay let's go i'm gonna cast a spell of just like sound dampening on my person i kind of feel like if I cast it on you, you wouldn't be able to hear anything either, right? Yeah. So I don't think I'm going to I'm gonna do anything for you. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'm sneaky. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to so do that. I think the challenge of this then is going to be... This is an average difficulty spell. What happens if I cut my blood and 
suffer some damage. Uh, suffer some, uh, suffer some damage. Uh, you, you can make a sacrifice of two wound points to upgrade the die of this. So whatever you're, you roll normally, you would uh, change a green to a yellow. Also, I'm going to cut my hand to offer it up to the gods so I can uh, do this a little better. Oh, fun. We don't know each other well. I feel like we gotta, we gotta, I don't know what your backstory is. You're kind of cool with everything. Oh, you'll find out with everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. I'm gonna upgrade one of these to a, all right, so I already have a yellow die. So you upgraded another one to a yellow. Sweet. And then an average, cool. What I like about this game over like Dungeons and Dragons is you can do like a million other things around it to make sure that even if you roll bad, you have so many good things in your favor that like it might not matter because I roll really bad in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is pretty binary. It's yeah. like, well, you yeah. hit or you miss. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Ooh. Go. 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 Go me sideways all right so oh, wow. uh so then uh will so you guys donate to my go f- me sideways <laughs> <laughs> that is it's a wash with one advantage all right so a wash with an advantage at this point i am going to offer you a choice you can have the spell just not work or you can push yourself to success. But to do that, you will need to entreat a luminary. So it's going to cost you a uh, strain and uh, you'll have to flip a luminary and it will really be up to that luminary whether you succeed or fail. I'm going to go with that luminary. All right. So I need you to give yourself two strain. Well, so according to the book, whenever you roll a magic check at all, you give yourself two strain. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's oh, going to okay. be two additional strain. Okay. So that's uh, going to be six overall so right the, now. Yeah. Yeah. Six overall with the two that you took earlier. Yeah. Um, Magic's hard. And ooh. What a perfect luminary for this particular situation. The, the loom. quiet coyote. The working ma- magic. The quiet coyote. Uh, the loom is a symbol for all those who take pains to serve the ones they love, but it, it is also their jailer. It is an act of sacrifice that precedes rewards and gratitude, or in some bitter cases, met with no acknowledgement at all. In the stories, a sacrifice on the loom is how the crane repaid the man who had showed her kindness. It saved them during a hard winter. And it also broke her and caused pain to them both. So in this circumstance, you are sacrificing yourself and your well-being in order to keep the folks around you safe by spiking these cannons. So this task, I'm going to say, is even more brutal than originally imagined. I need Mm -hmm. two more strain from you. Okay, yeah. But the spell will work. Okay. You also had an advantage with that. What advantage would you like for your magic in this case? Again, you've decided to dampen sound around yourself. Okay. Can I also uh, suggest a thing for this luminary? So this luminary, it's like your sacrifice is worth it, but it also like causes you physical pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For every cannon that you spike as well, you'll feel the pain of that like nail, nail. being driven Ooh. through oh. you as well. And one of the great things <clears throat> is you can scream because you Ooh. will not be heard. Yeah. But yeah, you're going to feel those nails hammered into your flesh. Johnny, but you'll also like it's like if they're on your back, you're also going to be left with like the scars. Like oh, it's not going to physically be bleeding, but it'll have like the scars of those like 
hammer nails. Yeah. Oh, that rules so much. This Why? is all uncharted territory. Jonnet doesn't know this is going to happen until like he slams his uh, the hammer down on that first one. Yep. Magic's um, hard. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Is there any kind of like damage reflection wound wise no, on that? No. Okay. I think you've 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 given over more than enough strain. Um and I think like the two extra strain that I gave you, uh considering the loom, is sort of reflected in this act of like having to endure the pain of this. Okay. So yeah, let's just say like we start at like the far end of the ship. And so he squares up on one of these guys. He knows that he's kind of still in this like kind of full of himself on this he's like oh this is a great plan da, 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 da. he doesn't even like take out the uh, feather weave to like dampen it at all he just like sets it up raises it up high and then brings it down and as it slams down there is like he immediately just sees like white and like just blinding pain in like his back right shoulder blade and he like immediately falls over onto this cannon. He's just like in pain and he's very confused as to what happened. Do and you scream? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like he's he lets out like, ah, and then but of course, like, nothing is. And heard. then it's like it's like painful. OK, so the camera is very tight on him and like he's screaming. ah, And then it pans out to like see what uh, Travis is seeing. And it's just like a. But he just falls on it, the cannon, and is just like quiet. But he's clearly with his mouth open, writhing in pain. And so uh, Jonnet sort of climbs back up, gets to his feet, and then looks down at the long hallway of cannons. And he's just like, okay, these cannons can't go off. These cannons can't go off. And so uh, he like goes through his book bag, takes out another nail, and then just like slowly walks over to the next one and just like does it again. And it's just, it repeats itself over and over again. And there's nothing that anyone can do. When you, when you are about halfway through, you realize that, uh, or maybe even a quarter of the way through the pain is searing at your back. Every part of you wants to stop and you're slumped over one of these cannons and falling out of your pocket is that pocket watch, which pops open Mm. and you can see the time. Not only are you struggling with this and is it painful, but you have to go faster. Ooh. Is that a roll of some kind or is that let's let's yeah, let's let's do a roll for speed because I think uh, one of the issues is that this has just caused you so much pain that you are really struggling to get through it at the pace that you need. So I'm going to take a look at this character sheet a real quick and resilience seems like the role that it would be. Mm. Oh, okay. This is a hard resilience check. Three purple. All right. Well, let's do it. Oof. Ooh, wow. Okay. Not in the cards on that one. Uh, So that is three failures and one advantage. (laughs) Okay. So he is... Yeah. You you push yourself through it. You, You... move over to the next ones and you're just hammering quickly trying to deal with the pain stumbling so careful not to knock into those hammocks but your hands are shaking Mm -hmm. on the next one you raise the nail and you miss thankfully not striking yourself but even just striking that feels like a blow against your back each one is taking more and more from you you manage to finish the first row 
And I think, Travis, you can see that this is taking a lot out of him, that the boy is not going to be able to make it much more. You can tell he's probably got about two more in him before you're going to have to move in and rescue him. And I think Travis is just the sort of person who like is able to wait uh, for those two more before that happens, is able to watch this tough thing because you have watched people struggle with laborers before. In some cases, you've been able to help and in other cases, you haven't. And you've learned that detachment over time. What time is it? Uh, how, how long till sunrise? So you, like, the, I think you are giving yourself a good 15 minutes before the sunrise starts to dash in and grab him. And okay. it's not a question of like – and I think you know this in your heart. It's not a question of whether or not John would be able to do this. Like you've seen different areas where other people would have failed. Other people would have quit due to the pain. And you've watched Jonnet. You've seen the determination in his eyes. You know, left to his own devices and given enough time, he would finish both rows. It's for you a question of when the sun rises. So you, you'll give yourself plenty of time. But what does it look like when you finally intervene? I think that as you know, as he's like do, trying to steal himself to do the next one, um, I realize that there's just not going to be enough time, and we have to get out. So I just I run up and I say, uh, "Well, you can't speak to him." You oh, even because, when I'm near him, because when you get near him, I, it's you'll be in the bubble too. So I I get, I get up to him and I motion to try and tell. I, I want to make him think that someone is waking up. Mm. Oh, okay. And the, yeah, that, and that, would be, that would be the only thing that could stop him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I guess you give that. that we, we had a yeah. Sig- yeah. Um, and so he uh, he like puts everything back in his bag, and he just sort of like as quickly as possible just like leans up against the wall and like shimmies back to uh, where we entered the room. Is everything okay? Someone was waking up. We have to go now. Okay. Okay. Are we going back downstairs? Somewhere quiet or something. What was the luminary that affected him in that way? Uh, that the was loom. the loom. The loon or the loom? Loom. Like uh, what, what you would weave something on. Uh, gotcha. Like a bird. As, a, as, a, um, as we're like getting to, a, I guess, a safe place, he's like, I've never done that that spell before. When Whenever I, I hit the nail, it, I don't know, it, 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 uh, it, uh, the feedback, it, it, it hurt. It hurts so bad, Travis. Well, when we get back to the ship, We'll just have you practice hammering some more, I suppose. Travis, it, I, I, it hurt really bad. You did the best you could. I didn't get every cannon. You got enough. Is it enough? It'll have to be. Let's find a place where I can scream. <laughs> <laughs> so wh- where do you go? Which deck? Probably all the way down, yeah. I would imagine. Okay, so yeah. go down to deck four. Uh, excellent. Hey, Gable and Dref, you are now just pulling up to the ship. Uh, We can see soon the sun will be rising. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to be coming in loud, coming in hot. Which direction are you coming from? So we're going in probably different different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be going to like the back of the ship. Yeah, go to like thunder in the belly. Yeah. Um, Then is there like a bell on deck? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely, there's a bell on deck. As we're doing this, like, we're, like, kind of flying in pace with each other, but we're nearing the point where we're about to split off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I think there's a last look between you two, or Mm -hmm. I suppose you three. Yeah, well, so it's like the camera cuts to me. I look terrified. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you look, you know, full of steely resolve. Yeah. And the captain winks. Winks, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wink back. <laughs> okay. So I am going to follow Dref right now. You're, you're trying to get in the side of this ship. So, no, I think we're going to just try to, like, align a, uh, or alight near the back of the ship and mm-hmm. make our way down below decks. Um, but we're kind of we're we're letting Gable land first, basically, mm-hmm. and and kind of waiting to see if there's like a way that. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I'm assuming that they will make an entrance, yeah, and then we are going to try to slip down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gable, for your approach, mm-hmm. I, I want there to be some kind of role of how you do this, but there's not. <laughs> but there isn't, and and My you question, know, like, are are there people on deck right now? Yeah, there okay. are definitely people on deck right now. How many people on that deck? Too many people to count on that deck. <laughs> One, two, three. I, well, there there were ten, there were about ten people above there. deck that were the the night crew, and they have mm-hmm. the, as the sun is just rising, like the day crew is about to wake up as well. Mm-hmm. So there are ten people. It's the end of their shift. They are very tired, men. How do you want to make your entrance? I want to. So I assume it's a ship. I assume like there's like the the higher end here, and then it lowers down where to where all of the the masts are. Mm-hmm. I want to land right by the bell and start ringing it oh man yeah so i i think this is no problem at all it, it's just going to like require a flyover from metatron and mm-hmm. uh you will essentially jump down on deck boom yeah with a with a big landing and then start ringing the bell yeah Do I need to roll? Or? Uh, I don't think you need to roll to jump down. And ideally, we don't start doing that until right as the sun breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 time it out perfectly. Like mm-hmm. you're you you've been feeling your body ready for mm-hmm. the, this event as it got closer and closer, and then you see like the first glint of sunlight, and like there's a quick flash below deck as Travis as the coyote like screams, holds back a howl, mm-hmm. um, and we we move back up to you ringing that bell and suddenly all of the eyes on the deck are concentrated uh, towards that main, where that main mast would have been, uh, where you now stand, ringing that bell and very significantly, one of them is this priest of the church of the slain god like mm-hmm. that mask silently turns to you and you know what does what does your battle garb look like do you have any armor um or... so we've got the mask you've got the mask um, i've got my sword my regular sword drawn held at my side i usually just wear a heavy jacket anyway like heavy up top yeah mo- mostly for like to prevent piercing and then it's not too glamorous. I really wanted to contrast with like the the glamour and the glitz of the actual like the priest. So yeah. like very much more like leathery and demure, but it's still frightening and billowing because it's windy. And I think we can see like the copper reflection of your mask as it turns across the ship. It lands on the mask of this priest of the slain god. Mm-hmm. Um, and like his face is illuminated, his eyes gleam in this light, and you can see it's not fear 
but there is a hint of excitement on that face as you ring the bell, Mm -hmm. this towering figure. I think the bell is like, for most men, it would be above their heads. They'd be reaching up to ring it, and you, it is barely at your shoulder as you're ringing away. Uh, Tyler, can you pass me that book? What are you looking up? Uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, pull up uh, the adversary list here because I had a bunch of cards printed out for this, and I don't know where they went. (laughs) All right. Uh, I need everyone. uh, May I do a dramatic intro? Oh, please, please say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Okay, let's do it. Crew of the civility, you have been observed. You have been judged and you have been found wanting. Please step in line to receive your judgment or have it come to you. Excellent. I need you, using one of your social skills, uh, just make a roll. Like, this can be coercion, this can be whatever. Um, I I think there are two blue dice, because as you speak these words, it sounds as though the statement is echoing upon itself, as though your voice rings out from the world around them. They feel surrounded by your presence. I'm going to do leadership, I believe. Mm -hmm. What's this against? Yeah, we'll make it average. Okay. This is... And you said two blue. Yep. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Oh, my. So we got... Oh, my. Two, three, four, five <laughs> successes. One, two, three, four. No, no, six successes, two advantages, and one... X. Well, yeah. it's just no. So they yeah. cancel each other. Yeah, they so they like right. use the die to like. So yeah, so that is that is a total of four like, successes. So yeah, and, five successes. Uh, yeah, five successes and, and one advantage. Yeah. You have terrified yes. these men. They don't understand where you came from. A figure rocketed down from the sky, stands on their deck at seven feet tall, rings their bell, draws a sword, and tells them to prepare themselves for judgment. Mm-hmm. All of the people on this crew that are not the priest of the slain god and the captain for the first two rounds of combat will be rolling two black dice we, in addition to whatever else they roll because you have intimidated them. It is in your blood. It is the purpose that bore you into this world. Mm-hmm. And you you feel as though you are fulfilling that purpose now. There is kind of a desire, a wanting in yourself that you can't quiet, even though you're a different person now that is being fulfilled in this moment. The fiery crackle that is in your greatsword when you touch it, you can feel it teasing at your back now. It wants to be drawn. It wants to show itself because these are wicked men. It wants to bury itself in their chests and burn them out from the inside. The priest of the slain god just looks at you, and then the door to the captain's quarters opens, and striding out onto the deck is Captain Franz Fishhook. He wears a black oilskin coat. On it is emblazoned the seal of the red feather, along with several medals that dangle beneath it, showing his station and accomplishments. World's Uh, greatest dad. (laughs) (laughs) World's best boss. (laughs) World's best everything. Every time a captain of the Red Feather Syndicate takes out a Corsair ship, a pirate ship, whether it's an official medal or it's just something they put down to like denote to others like this is 
what I've accomplished. Oh, it's got to be something gross. Yeah, like what? Because he's notoriously violent. And he kills the whole crew except for the captain. So what? What is? What does he have? Like running down one shoulder, showing off how many other, uh, how many Corsair ships he's taken out. What do these skyship sort of anchors look like? How do anchors work for these ships? Hmm. You know, I feel like they it's just like a, that, a spear into the ground, like a, like a harpoon. You wouldn't really anchor one of these ships. Well, so it doesn't so the wind doesn't like blow it away or anything. Yeah, but well, anchor to what, right? They're wow. so far up in the sky. Tethered. You you did have to land at this place. Yeah. Like there there was you, you did throw something down. And they like tied you down, and you let out some of the hot air from from beneath the feather weave. So you sort of glided down to the earth. I think you were still lightly floating mm-hmm. at a certain point. Um, but you know ships must dock. This ship does not. It's mostly serviced in the sky. I'm trying to think if there's like an official capacity of things like you know you have these stripes or these ribbons that you wear for the Corsair ships, but there's also probably something that this dude does specifically yeah. that's like a tattoo or something like that. You said it's on his shoulder? Yeah, I think it like I think he wears it on the outside of his clothing. It's something that he puts onto his clothing because he likes to display what he's done. Either like he's ripped off like a body part on the captain and so he's like hanging it proudly or like he rips off like an article of clothing and then has someone like patch it onto that side of his attire. I feel like that's not like gruesome enough for uh, for something like that. I was thinking a body part too, but it's held on to his jacket by a fish hook. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Nice. So just like a finger or something. Good. Or, or I mean, an eyeball would be radical, but I don't I, know. I, I think eyeballs Whatever would disintegrate too quickly. Yeah. I feel like it's a tongue. Ooh, takes out those rules. tongues. He the captain's tongues? Dehydrates them, yeah. Uh, so he kills the crew, takes a tongue. Yep. Uh, huh. They can't, so so when like you encounter a captain that has encountered Franz, Franz Fishhook, he can't tell the tale. You just know by their eyes <sighs> how terrible it was. And their lack of tongue. And their lack of tongue. That, that also sort of, that, that's a real good indicator. Open wide. Oh no! Um, dentists love them, though. <laughs> dentists love them. <laughs> Find out this one weird trick. You see, like dangling from fish hooks on one shoulder, uh, at least a dozen dried human tongues. This man has a long beard with uh, dozens of dry human <laughs> tongues. Just in that, and that's just for fun. Those are fun tongues. <laughs> Length, so- uh, knee-high leather boots. It's full of human tongues. Yes. And a khaki bucket hat. <laughs> um, no tongues. <laughs> he's got a long beard that is dark black, streaked with gray and white. Uh, his face is leathery and wrinkled from years of having skin uh, stung by the wind of the sea and eventually the air of the sky. He has a wild look about his eyes. Uh, they are dark, and as you appear into them, even in situations where he is completely calm, you can see the malice of violence dancing behind them. He has both of his legs, but only one hand. The other has a nasty hook replacing it. And on the one hand he does have, you can see as he's uh, like, he's exited and like he's pushed the door aside. You can see a large black spot on his palm. And you know that is the mariner's mark. 
uh, something that only folks who have traveled the sea have. It's rumored that everyone who has it is either bound to lose their mind or has already lost it. This man is also adorned with a lot of, like, uh, symbolism from the sea. There are not only the fish hooks holding the tongues, but there are a couple sailor's knots that have been woven into this coat, uh, which is definitely like a custom take on a red feather coat, which is something that most Ariners who are superstitious would never do. Uh, The sea is hated. The sea is dreadful. The sea will drag you down and drown you, so you would never adorn yourself with the imagery of it. He looks across the deck to you. Fran's fish hook, I think, stands at around 6'3", which would cut an intimidating figure to anyone else. But he stares across the deck and meets your eyes, and you stare back into his. And for the first time, maybe in a dozen years, he sees someone who does not fear him, and he smiles. Mm. I need you all to roll for initiative. Okay, so we join the crew of the Uhuru, mm-hmm. or at least uh, the three people who are available in uh, the leadership positions. <laughs> as we join the crew, or the people who actually care. The people, yeah, the people who have actual responsibilities, actual leadership responsibilities. Uh, it is going to be Travis, Gable, and Jonnet sitting behind a table with uh, the corpse of the captain uh, sitting next to them. We uh, each do have large uh, Coke cups. Mm-hmm. 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 And I think you each have a pile of headshots mm-hmm. in front of you. Um, <laughs> and we and we each uh, have one ticket to Hollywood that right. we are able to uh, give to. Uh, um, again, um, please do not staple your resume <laughs> to the back of the headshot. Please. Thank you very much. I don't know why they keep trying to do that. I... I... I'm just so happy for everyone. I hope everyone does so well. I do not. (laughs) I think we've got enough people on this ship, and I'm looking to make this as quick as possible. I think people, I think it's laudable that people are trying to achieve their dreams right in front of our faces. Uh, So we see a long line of prospective skyjacks uh, stretching before this table. People waiting uh, with their resumes and headshots. Spit is interviewing them, getting their sort of uplifting stories Mm -hmm. to to feature. Yeah. (laughs) Holding their family's hands outside. (laughs) Oh, we'll see if it'll work (laughs) out for you. Spit's the worst. Yeah, well, I mean, we did just sort of make him the Ryan Seacrest of the Skyjacks world, so yes. Uh... (laughs) Called in is a woman who is wearing a long tan trench coat. Uh, she's tall, uh, definitely taller like an average per- than the average person, but not as tall as Gable. And she has dark glasses that sit over her eyes. And I think she's also wearing like kind of a babushka shawl type thing uh-huh. um, that's over her head. She walks up to the table and slaps down her resume and Ooh, headshots oh. like very quickly. 
um, and then sort of uh, moves over to the chair and looks around as though she might be noticed or watched and sits. Oh. Well, shall we begin? Oh. Well, someone knows how to make an entrance. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing the same clothes as you are in your headshot. That feels kind of like wearing a band t-shirt to their What concert. you've been promised, darling, is what you're going to receive. Oh, excellent. Well, I noticed here that, um, oh, it seems that you have a multi-page resume. How many pages are here? <laughs> she freezes very quickly, and it feels like you can hear her mutter a swear under her breath. Oh, now keep in mind, we did specify that all resumes should be. One page. One page. Right. Yeah. Multiple pages. I'm sure it's about one. <laughs> well, it's actually, uh, well, you gave us four. so Somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of one. Well, it's, I mean, it's. That's, it's it is less than ten. So. Yeah. Darlings, darlings, are we going to let the accountants dictate experience? I think we all know that what you're looking for is someone who brings something to the table. And what I've brought is a resume well that's true you just bring something to the table and i did put that on the table yes okay well um i guess um you you want to join our ship uh we'd we'd love to have you uh we're always looking to expand the team Um, and you're looking to leave immediately uh we well no no not necessarily but very quickly you'd be away from this place oh Oh. well eventually when we left it would be the the launch from the port indeed yes yeah. Very quick. Uh, then we're all going the same places, darling. This works out so well. Oh. Oh, well, Well, I suppose you could come along with us. What are your uh, skills? What would you bring to the... Yeah, to please the... give us your, your top three most marketable skills that you could bring to the ship. <laughs> well, obviously, there's ingenuity. All right. Okay. okay. And ingenuity. Oh, wink. very young. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. You don't have to say it. You can just do it. And of course, there's T, C, and B. Those are taking care of business. Why did you count those as three different things, though? (laughs) Wait, did you know how many things that was? I've given you three or four things. That's not. That's true. They'd only ask for three. Yeah. So you're you're. I like your skills, but you're not very good at following instructions. That's two specific instructions you didn't follow. What pirate follows instructions? Well, the good folks, pirates. The folks on our ship certainly do. Mostly maritime law is very strict in its... Uh, Aritime law. Aritime law. I'm sorry, are Corsairs known for following Aritime laws? I thought that was the point. Well, we follow the codes of the skies. Which are unwritten. Well, but and a- most importantly, unnumbered. Well, wasn't the Magna Carta not written, or am I thinking of something different? You're thinking, You're thinking of, of a fictional in- document in a bizarre <laughs> universe where all of the seasons go in order. Well, it, I think I think what it comes down to is uh, if we agree on if the captain agrees on a rule for the for the crew, they must have to obey and 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 follow those rules. And don't matter doesn't matter how many rules. If he comes up with one or two rules during the early week and like three or four rules in this uh, later half of the week, I mean, she you- looks like she is trying to follow along and you can see her counting out on her fingers occasionally <laughs> along with you as you name different specific numbers for rules uh, uh, also just real it's very dark in here and your uh 
I've never seen spectacles that are so dark. Hmm? Would you? Are you having? Are, can you see? No, oh, I can see you fine, darling. She says, okay. just looking at Janet. <laughs> um, I guess. Well, well uh, we do want to make sure that you have like clear eyesight. We need someone who has all their faculties. And we'd also love to make sure that you have a full heart. Janet picks up like an lose. inkwell. Janet picks up an inkwell and just like just tosses it at her. Catch. I think the ink just hits her on the head and like spills all over everything and she leans forward and like puts her glasses down for like a second to give Janet a wink and then puts those glasses back up as though some conspiracy has been made between the two of them in the throwing of that ink. Um I'm sorry. I I was expecting you to catch that. Um are you okay? There's. Do you need a, a towel? You, you do I look face? like I'm in distress? She says, just covered in ink. You, you just, literally just have still ink on your face. Well, uh, explain everything. Isn't it more fun to keep it a secret? No, it's not fun at all. I'd like to know things right away. Let's set a rule right now. Okay. For the rest of this interview, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to ask any questions. Great. <laughs> We'll ask the questions, and you can just answer the questions. Seems like you've bombarded me with five or six rules. <laughs> but all right, I'm gay. Can I actually, can I, would I be able to just cut through uh, and just ask maybe a, a direct question right Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Um, so here's the thing. I, I, I just wanted to ask, like, so I, I have three apples. I have three apples. John right. actually places <laughs> apples. <laughs> I was saving this for our break um, uh, while we take a, an hour-long break between interviewing candidates, but I'm going to just go to break them out now. I have three apples. Gable has two apples. Oh, okay. oh do you want me to take out my apples? Yeah, go ahead and take out your apples. I think a I visual aid apples. would be very helpful I brought right them now. just for me. I am get very hungry. <laughs> and if we were to put both of our sets of apples together... How many apples would you say we have? Enough to make a pie. <laughs> I don't even think that's true. No, you need lots you more need apples so to make a You need so many apples <laughs> to make a pie. You'd be surprised. It's alarming <laughs> how many apples you need to make a pie. I think from the docks somewhere, you can see like some excited shouting and pointing, uh, at which point this woman like turns around to look behind her and she looks over to you. So do I have the job or? Absolutely not. Not at all. No, I can't say that you have it at all. Are you, are you avoiding somebody? Is there someone, is one of the, uh, like the uh, candidates, someone that you know? Darling, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, she says as she like has moved over to the table and like grabbed the hat off of the captain's head and like shoved okay. it on top of uh, her no, babushka. No, 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 that's not yours. No, <laughs> okay, no, no. We're, we're going to make a new rule. Okay, we're going to add on to that first rule that we have. You cannot touch anything that here that is not yours. Absolutely not. She has sort of ignored you. She's pushed past and like she's starting to like meld back into the crowd. And you're left there just with her headshot and resume. Even though it's all like hand drawn, like these are like woodcut pictures or something that people bring in for their headshots. Mm-hmm. It is very low res uh, somehow. <laughs> somehow Why would you choose to headshot. draw this so blurry? <laughs> that was dreadful. That was, but... I feel like she knows how to get things done. Do you? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just a feeling. 
Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Neoscum. Neoscum is a narrative comedy podcast featuring five Chicago improvisers antagonizing their way through the role-playing classic Shadowrun. It follows a group of misfits and outsiders. Z, an acerbic cyber troublemaker. Pox, the candy junkie klepto from across the pond. Tech wizard, the public access actor with a petulant thirst for adventure. And Dak Rambo, the nastiest trucker this side of the Robo Mason Dixon. Join the irascible Neoscum crew on a puerile rock and road trip through a weirdo world of tomorrow, doling out street justice to every deeb they encounter, whether they deserve it or not. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter at Tyler A. Dave, on Mainstage with Second City, or at IO with Devil's Daughter. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or at Comedy Sports Chicago with the One Woman No Show. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. Dref Wormwood was played by John Patrick Cohen, who can be found on Twitter at JPSoFly, on stage at IO with Devil's Daughter, or on his podcast, Hey Riddle Riddle. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The role-playing game used for this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system published by Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.
apparently this is like a Twitter bit that I and their friends do. They've found like this stock art picture of a woman in sunglasses <laughs> and they've decided this woman doesn't know math and she is in disguise. <laughs> oh so my God. They, they have like a thread on their discord where they just post that picture at each other repeatedly. So this is, this is it's, uh, okay. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I, we, we really do need to get to this. Uh, so she may not know what numbers are, how to do math or how to be incognito, but she does know how to command a room and delegate tasks so that they get done. Hmm. So that is the character. That is Math Lady <laughs> Incognito. <laughs> math Lady Incognito. <laughs> Fuck, that's so weird and so it's, funny. It's very strange. What, what a truly strange thing. That's awesome. And so I feel like this is a, a truly blessed NPC to start off with. I'm truly gonna, blessed. 